You're listening to a Crossroads original podcast. This is hard. This is sad. This is painful. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to say, I'm willing to bless the name of God. I'm willing to say, I can't see it, but you're good. From Crossroads Media, this is See Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks, season eight, episode number 43. You are seen, you are heard. Well, welcome, friends, to See, Here Love and to our third episode of our four-part special series called SOS, Summer of Strength, where we're featuring four outstanding women who embody courage, faith, resilience, and expertise in leadership, health and well-being, soul care, and journeying well through grief and loss. Yes. And our hope is that our stories and our conversations will strengthen, encourage, and inspire you, our listeners, to live authentically to live courageously, to right. live a life of joy and possibility, and to deeply love God and others. And so today we continue the series with a very special guest, Stephanie Morales Beaulieu, and she's the author of Anything But Ordinary, Finding Faith That Works When Life Doesn't. Wow. And it's inspired by her dad's life-changing divine encounter that profoundly influenced the two-short journey to his death from ALS. And Stephanie is a born communicator a lover of God's word with a contagious love and enthusiasm for Jesus and hails from Alberta, Canada. Stephanie, welcome to See Here Love. Thanks so much for having me, Melinda. How are you doing? How are you doing today? Good. You know, it's a good it's a good day. It's a good day to be alive. Yes. I love that. You know, I a lot of times, you know, when I when I ask people that, immediately they want to tell the hardship and it's a hug and all the reasons why the day is. And yeah. It's rainy. Mm-hmm. It's bad. I'm feeling achy. My yeah. perimenopause. My bones are achy. All of that. Yep. But I love how you started. I think that yeah. every day we should look at it in that way. Yeah. And and hope for. <laughs> yeah. The well, good too. You know, it's funny. I started the day, you know, I go to, I open my dishwasher to unload it. And I was like, oh, forgot to turn it on last night. I don't know if you do that. And you're like, oh, you know, and now you don't get to start the day with a clear counter. But I, I put the soap in and I thought, you know, it can still be a good day. It can still be a great day. So that's that's true. I love that. And, you know, I even for me in just response, it's like I'm just grateful I'm here. I'm yeah. grateful that I, I'm actually yeah. alive and I've lived all of these years. N- not always joyful because um, <laughs> there's been challenges, but to be... Yep alive and here and doing what I'm doing. Absolutely. So grateful. The gift. Yes. It's such a I gift. Well, Stephanie, I really wanted to feature you in our SOS, SOS series um, to strengthen our community uh-huh. as we really navigate the journey of losing a parent, as uh-huh. we navigate loss and grief, or disappointment. Yeah. And for so many are asking, why God? Where are you? Why are you letting this happen? And so I think it's perfect uh, for you to come on to really strengthen us this summer because I think in like my age range now, uh-huh. so many of my girlfriends are in this like sandwich generation. They're taking yep. care of their kids, but also now taking care of their, yep. you know, their parents. So this is really, really timely. Sure. And I'm so glad that you're with us to help us kind of navigate through this. So oh, well. let's start from the beginning, um, uh-huh. the story of your family, your yep. dad immigrating to Canada and a little bit about you. So we get to know who you are. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I am half Filipino. I get asked that all the time. And it's funny how people ask it. And you probably know this. They're like, so what are you? Or what's your <laughs> what's your heritage? Or like, what's your ethnicity? Yeah. And so my dad is Filipino and my mom is Canadian. And so a big thing with Filipinos is is like the nose. So when I tell people I'm half Filipino, they're like, no, you don't have the nose. Yeah, and the nose. And Filipinos tell me like, yeah. you're not Filipino. And I'm like, no, I am. Um, so I definitely grew up um, kind of just in that mixed basket of I'm a little bit of this, but not all the way that and a little bit of this. But um, I grew up in a family where I was loved. You know, I was seen. I was known. And my dad came to faith in Christ when he was 37, the age I am now, and had a pretty radical encounter. I was only four months at the time, so I never knew my pre-Jesus parents. I've heard stories about them, which were honestly impossible to believe, you know, as I knew my parents in their life mm-hmm. after Christ. Um, but they'd gotten married in the early 80s. They had all the challenges of a cross-cultural marriage and, and you know, when you try to do things your own way. And then my mom had a pretty um, life-changing encounter with God just in her living room one day of going, you know, I have everything I wanted. I've got two healthy babies and two cars and a nice house. Like, yeah. Why do I feel so unhappy? And so that was the beginning of her, you know, coming to Jesus moment and her weakness and brokenness. And then she prayed for my dad, thought he'd never get saved, thought nothing was happening below the surface. And little did she know that God was at work. And so about 15 months after she got saved, he had his come to Jesus moment and really had a 180, um, like surrendered his life and just sin began to fall off, uh, began growing like quite rapidly in his faith and felt a call to ministry pretty early. So our family moved from Richmond, BC to Coburn, Alberta to go to, for my dad to go to seminary. And so I grew up, um, I was the pastor's kid, grew up in the church, like grew up just in a very different kind of environment than my parents did. So that was kind of my, I guess the foundation um, for my faith was theirs. And then of course, this diagnosis was the beginning of a season of, I need this thing to be really real, you know, not just what I read about. Wow. You know, it's always interesting because, you know, sort of the pre-Jesus and then Jesus and then post-Jesus. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's so interesting because, you know, especially when you're older, like you you meet people and you're like, oh, my goodness. They like embody all that is good and of God. And then they're like, oh, you should have seen me in my 20s. You know, you're like, what? No. But then you know what? You know, Stephanie, it's like, it's not like, you know, for me, like people meet me now and if I if they haven't heard my like testimony or story, they sure. would have no idea. Yeah, the prodigal years, right? The bad decisions I made in my twenties, yeah. yeah, and choosing not to follow Jesus, and then here I am. Like if, if people yeah. don't know that, if if they haven't journeyed with me, and it's yeah. so I'm like, oh, I have like a pre-Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> now Jesus story with too. Jesus. With yeah. Jesus, right? I know. <laughs> yeah, and I think that sometimes we we look at those stories and we go, oh wow, like they have this dramatic you know real encounter and you know and if your journey's like mine more of a slow steady sunrise of truth and you know then it can feel like my story's not as cool or not as interesting you know or or it's not as boring or it feels boring Mm -hmm. um but i think when you hear those stories it's like right god really can change people you know and that's so encouraging when you're in that place of like is it possible you know so I, i think that all stories you know can be used for god's glory yeah, I think that's really good because really good. I, I've heard that from people because my story is so dramatic and kind yeah. of coming back to God. And some people, when they hear me, they're just like, oh, my story is not like that. But I'm like, yeah, but it's your story and it's your story yeah. with God. It's like your story, his story with your story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, no matter 
what it looks like or what you've been through, mm-hmm. there's always something there that somebody can connect with. You know, yeah. it's like the power of story no matter what. Absolutely. You know, and I remember always saying to my mom growing up, um, I'd always say, oh, I wish I had your story, you know, because it was this death to life, like darkness to light. And I will never forget when she said to me, no, I wish I had your story. Wow. I think if you have a quote unquote boring story, you forget, you know, in the trying to follow the rules and trying to stay on the street and narrow the the pain of sin. And and my mom, because part of the reason she had all these rules for us was because she'd experienced so much pain and guilt and shame that she didn't want us, you know, to go down that same path. It's like, I've been there. I've done it the world's way. And I can tell you it's not good. And so I think that that always really resonated with me. So, I, you know, if there's someone listening who feels that like, oh, I don't have this, you know, dramatic. It's like whatever your story is, like you said, it's yeah. you and God and he'll use it. Yeah, no, that's really good. And and, really and it's good reminded for people to know that. Yeah. Like every story matters. Every story yeah. has a connection point and every story, mm-hmm. you know, is with God as he's working in and through you. And I love it. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Let's talk, Stephanie, about your dad's diagnosis of ALS. It's First wonderful. of all. What is ALS? How yeah. did that happen? And the, and then kind of the response, how it affects body and mind and the journey yeah. for him and you and your family through this. Absolutely. Uh, so when I got the call on May 5th, which um, was, you know, I had no idea how three little letters could alter our lives so completely. I didn't know what it was. So when he said, the doctor said I have ALS, I had no idea what he was talking about. I had no idea what was ahead. But I knew when he said it's fatal, I knew what that meant. So that was very jarring. Um, and of course, as I started, you know, you Google and and the more I learned about the disease, the more I thought, oh, this is bad. <laughs> um, so it's a neuromuscular disease. It stands for amniotrophic lateral sclerosis. And it basically attacks the voluntary muscle system. So your physical body and your voluntary muscle system dies off slowly. So I would call it death by a thousand losses so things that you don't really think about like swallowing speaking like telling your brain telling your fingers like to tie your shoes or to cut your food all of those kind of from the outside in just begin to slowly die off until you're kind of left in this really kind of vegetative state except your mind is totally intact and so in a way you end up trapped um inside of this body that like won't listen to you and won't do what you're trying to tell it to do so it's a really cruel disease and um, when he was diagnosed when you would tell people the first question was what is that and kind of the sad thing now when you say ALS people most people go oh like I know somebody or I have someone in my extended family so um, now it just seems to everyone you know seems to have been affected at some degree of closeness Um, so of course when you get that kind of news I think the first natural question is why Mm -hmm. yeah you know why me I remember my mom you know, why me? Why our family? Why this? Why now? And she shared something really powerful. She shared it, you know, over a number of years. And she said she came to a point where she realized having the answer to why would not actually erase her pain. Um, and so she began to shift and, and she talked about shifting from questioning why to what now, God. And I recently heard somebody say, um, a wise question to ask in these seasons, which I think we just don't in our flesh. We we want to know why. We want to control it. We want to change the outcome. And this person said, we should ask God, what does obedience look like in this season? Mm, it's good. And that is 
a really kind of humbling, hard question, but a wise question because the good news about suffering and even a fatal diagnosis is that you still have an opportunity to to trust God, to exercise faith, to hold on to his promises. And, you know, if you read scripture, there's a lot about God caring about us holding on to faith, you know? And so I think something that we can easily miss sometimes in the emotion and the shock is what's the opportunity here? You know, yeah. what's the opportunity to take God at his word, to believe he's who he says he is? He can do what he says he can do. And so, of course, there was, you know, probably a week of not getting out of bed and just waking up thinking I was in the middle of a bad dream and then remembering kind of all over again, oh, no, this is real. This is happening. So there's, of course, that. And that comes in waves. You know, I Mm -hmm. think sometimes we think grief is like, I'll be I'll be sad one day and then the next day I'll be a little bit less and then a little bit less. And we kind of expect it to be linear. But I found it would be feeling okay. And then all of a sudden, boom, like something would trigger sadness or thinking about something in the future and and then this burst of grief would kind of come. And so I have found it more, you know, the grieving journey to be that way yeah. rather than a little bit better than the day before, you know, in kind of a gradual linear process. Wow. You know, I think that's so honest, you know, why? Were you ever angry at God? Like, did you direct anger your family at God for allowing this to happen? That's a great question. Um So in my family, I'm kind of the, I would say the fun optimist. (laughs) Like that's my, that's my personality. And so not, I was not by any means like trying to put like a positive, you know, spin on things. Like, I mean, when there's grief, you have to, you have to give that credit. Um, But what happened when, um, when my dad was sick was, Okay, so first of all, it was 2008. So the internet and texting and group messages, like all that wasn't possible. Mass communication was not what it is yeah. today. And so the phone at our house was ringing off the hook and my mom was getting really exhausted from just relaying the story, every update, like over and over. So at the time I said, oh, mama, in my university class, there's this new thing called a blog, you know, and a it blog. Was like, it's where you can like, <laughs> you can write stuff. And so I just sort of, <laughs> To, to try to help my mom, I was like, I'll start a blog about this. So you don't have, you can just direct people there. You don't have to over re- repeat it, right? It takes so much emotional energy to do that. Right. And so that became kind of like my job. And we lived three hours away, so we couldn't be there for every day. But that was kind of how I could help. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I found though, very quickly, it's like nobody wants to read just constant bad news, you know, where yeah. you read it and it's like, this is depressing and this is You know, so I I think in that writing, writing is kind of therapeutic in its own right. Mm -hmm. And so as I would write the updates, I felt like I was always trying to find the glimmer of hope. Like, what's the good thing God's doing in the midst of this? Mm -hmm. And so it began as a just kind of a straight up prognosis update blog. And then it began to kind of also capture the stories of hope, I guess, and like where God was working and how he was using my dad through like in the caregivers and different kind of things. So for me, I think there was probably moments of anger, but I wouldn't say that was my dominant emotion Mm -hmm. at that time. However, (laughs) when I went to write the book, uh, different story, Um, 13 years later, um, you know, with a, a certain measure of healing, I would say, but going back through the story slowly and and, you know, the 15 months he was sick was fast. Yeah. And so to write the story kind of was like to re-enter it. And because the story started with his life, it's like I got to spend time with my dad. I got to know him. 
and then it was entering the diagnosis like all over again and then yeah. reliving, reliving all the losses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of my, I would say anger came um, a little bit like more like a storm, I would say actually in the writing process, which ironically, yeah. you know, you think 13 years later, I had a woman say to me, like, did you not grieve, you know, when your dad was sick? But I think as much as healing is in layers as you go through so life, I think grief, grief is too. Grief is too. And so I had a lot more. Um, I remember when I was writing the day, the day he was diagnosed, May 5th, it was the anniversary and lots of May 5ths had come and gone without a big bunch of emotion. And um, that year, I just remember everything feeling so fresh. I remember actually like my husband came home from work and I was just sitting in my van in the driveway and I got home. My kids had gotten out and he's like, are you okay? And I said, no. And I was like, I got to go. He's like, where Man. are you going? And I said, I just, I got to go. And I remember like I got in the van, I was driving across town and I just screamed like, <sighs> yeah, like just all of this, like, it just feels like so much. And like revisiting the story feels so hard and like, you know, and I felt like that was where God started to just like, it's okay, let it out. Like just, it's okay. And so for me, um, the anger came quite a bit later. And and there was like several months in the writing journey where that was not where I parked and like set up a tent, but I would visit and feel very mm-hmm. much, you know, as, as it came. Yeah, you know, stuffing it's good. It's good, honest feeling because I think you know for Uh just recently my husband and I you know kind of journeyed with a friend who lost his wife she Mm -hmm. was only 47 and we were encouraging the layers of grief and the expression and and sometimes in a North American culture the "Ah!" and the wailing and crying is like no we don't do that like we're we 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 keep all of our emotions in and we're we're very like calm and even in the you know, at the funeral home or at the graveside. And there is something, and, and, and speaking to friends in other cultures, that yeah. is needed to yep. express, to wail, to lament, to grieve, yeah. to scream. Yeah. Like that's part of healthy grieving. Right. To be angry, to be sad, yeah. to, to feel, and to yeah. sit in your body all the emotion. Like yeah. it's so important for us. And I think... Yeah. That's something that maybe we should in this conversation for those listening, you know, to give permission. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Permission. Go out there and scream. Yeah. Cry. Yeah. Go in yeah. your fetal position. However, yeah. not uh-huh. to stay there long term. But I think uh-huh. there's that and, and, and the layers of it where like for you it's like years later than you're angry. But I think I think that's really good to to remind people. I also think yeah. and as I was listening to you as well, uh I think the part about what your mom said, you know, the answer to why, you know, isn't, yeah. you know, that isn't, that isn't the question. And, you know, my, my husband, yeah. former pastor, he also was a former funeral director. And, and so he's, un- wow. he's understood and been yeah. in, in those spaces. And he said, you know, something we were Oof. talking about, he said, Stephanie, even if we got the answer to the why, it wouldn't be enough what? for us. Yeah. It actually yeah. wouldn't help us. It wouldn't make sense to us. If God literally said, yeah. okay, I'll tell you why yeah. your parent is suffering and he gave us the answer, it, it wouldn't be enough. It wouldn't be good enough. Yeah. It would make yeah. maybe make it us more satisfy. angry. It wouldn't satisfy us. And so yeah. I think that's that relationship mystery of of yeah. of 
suffering of life of why God doesn't answer in the way that we want. Because I think there mm-hmm. is that where you talked about the exercise of faith mm-hmm. and this idea of of hope and yeah. and digging into the relationship yeah. with God in yeah. suffering. You know what I'm saying? Like I think, really, and I say yep. this because I'm speaking to a lot of my friends who are listening in yeah. permission, but also maybe the why, probably the why is for you to exercise faith, lean into yep. God more, lean into family, community. Maybe that's it more yeah. than why is it happening. Yeah. And yeah. that sucks. Well, and it's, a, it's a sucky answer, yeah. I'll be honest. It's a I sucky know. answer. That's all we were. Like people are probably yeah. like, Mal, that's, that's, that's not helping me at all. But what I'm saying it's is I'm, just, I'm trying to process yeah. it through mm-hmm. for them as well. What do you think of that? Like yeah. as, I'm, as I'm saying. I think absolutely. And I think that like you said, I talk with, you know, when I share this story, you know, I've, I've just had the privilege of hearing a lot of women's stories and talking with women. And so much of the time what I hear is, I'm afraid to go there. Uh, like, yeah, I'm yeah, for sure. If I, if I yeah. go there, if I allow myself, if I lose control, mm-hmm. like I, what will happen? It, it feels like this black hole of like, will I come back? Will yeah. I be okay? And, yeah. and I think that there's this freedom in letting go and just letting, trusting that God is who he says he is. He's not going to leave you or forsake you because you're angry at at loss. And I think we forget too, like Jesus did that. Like he, one of my favorite stories is when Jesus came on scene, Lazarus has died. Um, he sees his friends grieving. And I mean, for crying out loud, he's about to resurrect a dead man. If there was a time to say, wipe your tears, like mm-hmm. you're going to be fine. Stop crying. Just wait like four more minutes. You know, that would have been it. And yet Jesus wept. It's like he saw the mm-hmm. grief. He saw their pain. He saw like like life. It, I didn't make it to be this way. It Like it was supposed to be live forever. We we intuitively have this like death. It's not supposed to be this way. Yeah. And yet Jesus took the time to enter into his friend's pain, to grieve with them, to weep, to be deeply moved. And it doesn't really tell us how long that took. But he did that before he went to the miracle. Mm-hmm. And that's so important to me, I think, when we when we think about how do we grieve well, how do we walk with people who are grieving? It's like, that's part of it. Yeah. And something that was so impactful for me, and this happened about five years before my dad was sick. There was a, a woman who's, dude, I, you know, you know, everyone in Filipino culture is auntie. Auntie, um, yeah. Goodwill. And she lost her baby girl when she was nine months old uh, to meningitis. And two things that are permanently etched in my soul. One is the sound of her wailing at the graveside. And just that, like you're talking about that deep, like, like this is breaking me. This is, it's like, there's no words. There's just the sound of grief. And I, like, when I think about it, I still feel emotional when it comes up. And, and not but, because I think but cancels out what you just said, but and. Yeah. The next Sunday at church, I remember I was like in the, you know, I was, I was probably 18 or 19 when this happened and I was sitting behind the drums, you know, like on the worship team and I saw them drive up. I saw out the window and I saw them get out and I saw there was no stroller and there was no car seat. And I'm just like in my gut, I'm like, oh, like, oh, and she came in and of course everybody, it was a small church. Everybody has walked together. And I think my dad invited her friend and said, you know, is there just anything that you want to say or, you know, and I remember her standing up there and tears were still streaming down her face. And it was obvious that it was fresh and real. And she said through tears, 
I'm here to tell you that God is faithful. Mm. Yeah, that makes me emotional. <laughs> and that, like, oh. and I just, I remember saying, if she can say that, after, like, I had heard, I had heard the grief. I thought, if she can say that, it has to be true. Like, it is true. Like, if that woman who's gone, you know, and, and experienced this loss and this grief, you know, and that, I mean, her testimony, I mean, like when, when we got the news about my dad, that was, I mean, you better believe that was, you know, that was there in the forefront of my memory of going, but remember, yeah, she said, you know, and if she can say that, then you can too. Yeah. And, and so I think it, it matters, you know, how we, what we say about our seasons, it matters what we speak about God, because you never know like what faith is sowing seeds of faith into other people. Yeah. Yeah, and so I powerful. think that it's it's just important to to give space for both and to trust that if we do go there and we do feel the emotions and we let out our deep cries and our laments that like we're God, no God's not leaving us in that moment. He's not upset about it. There's freedom for that, and there's also healing. Yeah, you know, when we're willing to go there. You know, Stephanie, that's so good because there's so much going through my head <laughs> because you know. There are the people who something bad has happened, yeah. and that has been the catalyst to say, no more God, there is no yeah. God, I'll be yeah. angry at God forever, cut off. Mm -hmm. And so we, yeah. we have that camp of people. Yeah. Then we have the people who are, God is good, everything is good, I'm okay, yeah. I have to be happy, because <laughs> yeah. that's what God is, and that's what I have to be joyful, and blah, 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 <laughs> and you're like, mm, that's like, not uh, true too, right? Like. That's not yeah. true either. No, Be no. Because Mel, no, if, I, if I say that he's not, then I could wipe out all the people who are following Jesus because yes. if I am not that faithful warrior and say these things. So happy all the time. Happy yeah. all the time. It's all on me. Okay. That's yeah. not good. Mm -hmm. And then I think there's the 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 truth of yeah. the real emotion. And God is Ugh. not going to be, be like, I can't handle this. Like, come on. Like, yeah. First you're of all, I think, yeah, you're too yeah. much for me. And that's just right. way like, oh. My goodness, like you're, you're so not a good follower. This, you know, our relationship is broken because you've you this feel these emotions. Exactly, on me. exactly. Yeah. exactly. Like, no. no, that means that you have a very small view of God. Like, yeah. yeah. So, like, wake up, everybody. Like, what you're doing is you're putting God in this little small way of seeing Him, but also maybe our own family of origin, how we view yeah. people, and we put that yeah. on God and poor God. Like, God, guys, yeah. stop. Time out and stop. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think. This is such a good conversation because Real. there's kind of like the balance of we do dig into God is faithful yep. because we we know our relationship. We know who he is, yep. but also the mm -hmm. real raw emotion that God can handle it and be yeah. true and real. Like That's what God wants. Yep. He wants a real, true relationship with you, just like yep. in any marriage relationship or friendship. Yep. You want the true authentic person. You don't want somebody to front all the time no, and try no. to be perfect. Like that's not a relationship and that's exhausting. That's yeah. exhausting to have that, that kind of friend. Want, people want real. People want like, real and honest. So like in this space of your grief or loss, be angry at God, be upset, then speak out a truth that maybe you don't feel, but but speak it out in, in the hope and faith of who he is. You know I mean? Yeah. And this is what yeah. I love, Stephanie, what you're saying and, and through... The right. story and in your book, like this is the real, real life. Yeah, this is yeah. this is what this is about. This yeah. is how we're also going to get through 
Mm-hmm. Short-term illness, but also, you know, friends of mine, Stephanie, who are dealing with this long-term. It's been years yeah. of this yeah. pain and grief with your parent yeah. or loved one. Yeah. And for others, some of my friends, it's been short and a shock. Yeah. You know, Which and is so- a battle. Yeah. yeah. And so what you're saying is really good mm-hmm. and healthy. Yeah. And I just want to say one more thing. Um, you can be angry without being angry at, at God. God. Yep. Yeah. You know, and yep. I think Jesus, like when Jesus, when Jesus wept, he was angry. I think he was angry at sin. He was angry at the way sin had broken the world he created, mm-hmm. like angry. And I think when we feel angry, it feels a bit overwhelming and we just feel like I must direct it at somebody. And anger can come out and just be out. You know, it doesn't have to be, I'm so mad at this person. And of course, the tension with God is, you know, if you are all good and you are all powerful, how do I, how do I make sense of this? Because Mm -hmm. you could stop this, but you're choosing for some reason, choosing not to. And just the simplest way I can illustrate that. I remember when my, um, my oldest uh, was getting immunizations and getting needles, you know, and I remember having to like hold, um, just kind of hold her down and I remember as they're like putting the needle in her arm I just remember like looking her looking at me and tears in her eyes and it was this face that was like why are you letting them hurt me like why are Uh, you why are you allowing like you're sitting there you could stop them you could stop this why you know and I just remember saying trust hmm. me just hold on it's not gonna last forever just you know just oh that's good you know, hang on. And of course, you know, I mean, of course, everyone has mixed feelings about immunizations probably, yeah. but you understand on the whole, this short term something will have a greater yes. gain. And help you in the yeah. long run. Yeah. I'm getting X, Y, Z. Yeah. And, and so I think, you. Right. you know, one of the things I did do in that season was like, what does the Bible actually say? Mm-hmm. You know, because people, people say all kinds of things to be helpful when you're grieving. But to go, okay, God, what do you say about suffering? And like, what do you say about who you are? And how am I to interpret the things that you're allowing? And I remember just thinking, I mean, if it's in the Bible, I want it. Like, if if it's not, like, I don't want to name and claim something that's not mine that you haven't promised. But I want whatever you have for me to get through this season. Yeah. And so that became very um, prominent. You know, and that's good. And I think going back to like, when we look at, sometimes it can feel like it's 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 a unique experience for me. Yeah. I am feeling this and oh my goodness, you know, why me, why? And then you go, wait a second. Uh-huh. So many people are going through the same thing. And not and not right. to disregard your feeling, but when you look at scripture, when you look at other people and their stories, uh-huh. you you can read through to say people made it through. Yeah. People yeah. made it through. Yeah. People got to the other side yeah. um, as as you're dealing with grief or loss. Like there, mm-hmm. there are beautiful, rich stories in the Bible and through other books and through people around you who have made it and mm-hmm. have come out stronger and have yeah. come out with a different theology of suffering, yeah. a different uh, and a deeper relationship with God and their family, a, a mm-hmm. deeper, honest relationship with themselves. Yeah. Yep. As they've gone through this. And yep. so it's hard to say now when you're so blinded by grief and oh, and yeah. just pain 
But I think right now, Stephanie, as we're, as we're talking, for those who are listening and watching to say, you can make it, you will make it. You will and, be okay. And yeah. you will be okay. And, mm-hmm. and, and maybe the thing to look forward to is you may come out of this as a different person with deeper empathy, mm-hmm. with a deeper yes. relationships in, in many yeah. areas. You know what I mean? And so yeah. it's hard to say that because right now we need to sit in the grief, uh, feel it, express it, uh, you know, share it. Uh-huh. And, and so that I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying not to do that. I'm saying in that yeah. space right now for those that are in that. Yeah. But also, sorry, not but. And, and yeah, you will get through this, uh-huh. and I think that's hopeful. Yeah, and absolutely. God is with you in that. I, that's yeah. Good. So let me let me go to this. You know, I think um, also within your story, there's also, and as I'm getting older, this talk and importance of legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. let's just talk about that because this legacy of hope in the decisions you make and how you live your life. Yeah. Legacy, legacy, Uh legacy, you know, Uh your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's an important question to ask. I think at any, to just always begin asking, I don't think it's ever too early. What am I leaving behind me? What am I leaving for the people coming? And of course, I think the most obvious earthly, right, is you go, okay, I want to like, you know, in the world's eyes, you know, build. So my kids have an inheritance, right? So I have something to pass on to them. And uh, we were recently on a vacation and um, just standing on the ocean. And my three-year-old was, we were standing on the sand and then this wave came and, you know, and when the tide comes out, it pulls, you know, you're standing on this ground and it feels pretty solid. And then, and then the tide comes in and all of a sudden the sand on your feet starts, you know, and, and I remember a couple of times she almost lost her balance and she was like, what kind of like what's happening? And, you know, three years old, I remember just taking the time to say, you know, this is why Jesus said to build our house on on the rock. And I think when you when you talk about legacy, you're like, yes, absolutely, like build things, like leave them to your children. But you think like, what is going to matter in eternity? And I think there's nothing quite like suffering to make you start thinking about that because suffering does this funny thing where all of a sudden you don't love your earthly life so much. All of a sudden you're like, this is hard and painful and I remember as a kid, you know, like, I don't want to die. I want to live and I want to experience this and experience that. And this life is so good. And when you when you experience suffering, you start to go, oh, this life, this world's kind of broken and it's hard. And you start to have this longing for heaven and the day when God says there will be no more tears. There will be no more pain. You know, and as you begin to to look in the scriptures, like it says, like you're suffering, not that your suffering's nothing, but compared to the glory that will be revealed, it's going to be nothing. Like one day, not today, but one day. You know, the scriptures say that this testing comes to refine our faith in First Peter and our faith is of greater worth than gold. Like when you think about that, mm-hmm. you know, you don't get the phone call like that and go, this is a golden opportunity. Like this is the opportunity of a lifetime. But when you begin to look from an eternal perspective and go, okay, what matters most to God? What three things are going to remain? Faith, hope, and love. love. Mm-hmm. So I could leave my kids everything this world has to offer, but if I don't show them, if I don't give them, if I don't point them to the things that are going to last, then, you know, within a generation, whatever I pass them is gone. I mean, Max, you know, like their name, you know. And what's so interesting about my dad, like he had, from the world standpoint, like he really had nothing. <laughs> like he wasn't <laughs> wealthy. He wasn't well known. He wasn't famous. People would not have been like, he's an influencer or he's got 
you know, it was like before Twitter and Instagram, Facebook. Like, he doesn't all have things. like a million followers. He doesn't have like a million followers. Mm-hmm. You know, and he said to me in that season, he said, Stephanie, Kingdom Impact is about quality, nice. not quantity. And that, I mean, so many things, but it's so interesting because, you know, 13, 14 years later now, this this ordinary guy who was a Filipino and an immigrant and a mechanic, her pastor, it's like, why are people still talking about him? It's not because he was so rich or so like because he drove nice cars and we went on nice like we didn't have any of that. It's because he loved them well. It's because he 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 held on to his faith and because he continually offered people the hope that was that's found in Christ. And so um I think about legacy a lot. And I think I want faith to be like, if there's anything I could pass to my children, it's like I want to hold their little faces and say, I want you to know God is who he says he is. And God can do what he says he can do. And you are who God says you are. And and in Christ, you can do anything God calls you to. And, you know, so when you think about what am I doing today? that's investing in that all of a sudden my list becomes not that important you know I mean yeah like put in a load of laundry but don't forget like the things that are are going to last the things that you actually want to leave um behind you and in the book um there's four chapters I mean it's my dad's story uh but there's four chapters that are my first person and they're from May 2008 when I was wrestling and the things I was wrestling with of like, okay, you know, sh- should we move home? Should we just drop everything and move home? And my dad said, no, Stephanie, you need to be where God's calling you to be. You need to be on mission with him. And then being able to actually like jump back into his story and go, he modeled that. Like each one of those of my wrestlings, it, I didn't have to look very far to find the example. I could just look back on his life and go, what did he, and he wasn't perfect by any stretch. Like he was very human, had lots of quirks and you know, just like different things, but, but he modeled what he was telling us and there was consistency in that. And so that was impactful for me to think, okay, the, the ceiling of his faith is my, is our floor, you know, Mm -hmm. like the things he fought for and the things he believed about God. It's like, we get to stand on those and then we get to live our lives of faith and then our kids get to, you know, have. And so I think legacy is so important, so powerful and something that we need to keep um, very much in the forefront of our minds. I love that. Biggest lesson from your dad's journey, I love that anything but ordinary, finding faith that works when life doesn't. Mm-hmm. So much, uh, okay. so much in there, Stephanie, <sighs> but you said a lot, but what would you say is is your biggest lesson uh, yeah. from your dad's journey as a takeaway you know, for our listeners and viewers mm-hmm. today? always hard for me to pick one you know i know okay okay stephanie two you can do two (laughs) Two. i'll give you two um yeah well one actually you know somebody the other day was like oh i know you wrote this book to honor your dad and actually said no that's actually not why i wrote it i wrote it because i wanted to tell people how faithful god has been through a season you know how faithful he was in a season i didn't think i would survive like i i said to my husband months before my dad was diagnosed if anything ever happened to my dad I would not be okay. I like uh, yeah. anything else. And and God was and is faithful. And I'm like, I want to almost like prove that to you and go, here's here's some evidence about that. I want people to know um, that you can trust him. Like no matter how painful it is right now, no matter how confused you feel, no matter how you cannot see 
how this could possibly be used for your good and for his glory when you're sitting, you know, and looking at your life and just feeling like it's either shattered in pieces or it feels just like dust, like, and going, I can't possibly see how God could redeem this. Yes, he can. Like, yes, he can. And so I think the the biggest thing is just like God can be trusted and you can trust him because he's trustworthy. You can trust him. Like you can hold out that tiny mustard seed and go, I don't feel like this is true. <laughs> like this is hard. This is sad. This is painful. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to say, I'm willing to bless the name of God. I'm willing to say, I can't see it, but you're good. I can't feel it, but you're there. And just to to hold out, you know, hold out that faith. It is possible. And God does not waste pain. He does not waste brokenness. He does not waste anything that you're willing to put in his hands and say, I can't do anything with this, but here you go. He doesn't waste any of it. Amazing. So beautiful. You know, Sophie, it, it gives me pause because, I mean, right now, both of my parents are still alive. Uh-huh. But I do have... I'll be honest, like anxiety about when one of my yeah. parents passes yeah. away or if, if they're diagnosed the next while uh, with anything. I mean, they're in yeah. the 80s now, and so I'm yeah. very aware. Yeah. And so this is so good because I just feel like our conversation has kind of prepared me, you know, bit and, and your book mm-hmm. to prepare me. So it's So your book is so good for those that are now going through that, have gone through it, or even for me now that know that they will go through it. That there will uh-huh. be a moment, like you know, we're at the stage now yeah. in you know, if you're thirties, forties, or any stage where you could lose a parent. Yeah, and I, it's it's so good and rich. It's it, it's such a good conversation that we're uh-huh. having, but also that I'm grateful for you to take the time and choose to write the story of your dad and for him, for us, for you. You know, it's uh-huh. it's so good. Where where can we pick up the book? Anything but Amazon. Okay, yeah, Amazon. It's okay, Amazon. it's um in some Christian bookstores, uh, but you can go. The first place you can go is anything but ordinarybook.ca, and from there, you know, you can kind of choose where you want to go. But that will just, you know, um, kind of let you know where you can find it, and also you can download the first three chapters if you're like, not really sure yet if you want to um, read it. But anything but ordinarybook.ca, and then you know all the online places too is where you can find it. Amazing. Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank you for your thoughts. There's so many good things, as you can see. I mean, for those who you can't, but I've scrubbed all of these these like things that you've said that I'm like, oh, that is so good. Literally. You know, God is faithful. Exercise. Exercise yeah. faith. It's faith, uh-huh. faith, faith, uh-huh. hope, and love. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah. it's so good. And uh-huh. uh Thank you so much. Thank you so You're much. You're so welcome. Thank you for, for this conversation. Me. It's been such a blessing. Yeah. And thank you, too, uh, to our See Your Love community for joining us today. <laughs> I hope you were strengthened and that as you go through grief and loss or the long journey of saying goodbye, know that you're not alone, that you can get through really hard things, and <laughs> that you are seen, you are heard, and you are deeply loved by God. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to See, Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks. Stay connected with our daily posts and stories on Instagram or Facebook at See, Here Love, or join our newsletter at www.seeherelove.com.